All right. Now, if you uh, have your Bibles or your digital Bibles, uh, you can turn to John 13, and you can also turn to John 3. So John 3 and John 13, as we'll be picking apart and going through uh, some of these uh, verses and these passages today. But as you can see, I'm doing something today I've never done before. I'm preaching in a t-shirt. I know, it's weird, right? It's just like, oh gosh, he is going down so fast. So I'm preaching in a shirt. Um, now, I uh, shot out on Facebook and social media that we're starting a new series today called I Love My Church. And I've said it from the front a number of times. I do love this place. I love this church. And I also love my sister who makes t-shirts for a living. And so I, I called her. I was, this, was, this was really on a whim. It was like, hey, we found this logo. Can, can you make these shirts real fast? And, and she did. So you may see a few of us sporting these. If you want one, come talk to me, and I can connect you with her, and you can order I Love My Church, and it says Celebration Church Puyall up on there. Um, but for the next month or so, I'm going to be wearing this when I preach. Um, just as a statement of something that I get to do when I say, I love my church. And I know that throughout, even when the sermons and the series is over, I'm going to wear this when I walk around sometimes, because uh, maybe it could even be a, a point for, oh, what do you love about your church? And I get to talk about how much I do love this church, or where is Celebration Church? It can be a, a fun conversation starter. Um, and yeah, it's going to be fun. So all that to say, I love this place. And I don't just love my church, but I love the church in general, what the church is called to do, what the church's mission is, the, the thing that Jesus said, I want you to go do this in the world. I love what we are called to do. Now, we're going to be talking all about the church and what does it mean to love the church. Now, I'm willing to bet that even in this room and, and even um, online, people watching us right now, uh, we have the people that could jump right on and say that, right? People could say, I do. I love my church. I love it. But we may also have uh, the skeptics. They say, there may even be, in, there may even be some of you in here, some online that say, I don't know if I love church, but I'm here. Does that count? Like, I, I made it. I clicked the button. I'm watching. Like, is, does that count as loving the church? I don't know. And there may be even some people that aren't here that maybe they'll hear this later, but maybe you're in the camp of, I actually hate church. I know, pe I know people that have said that. Like, I hate the church. And they're all totally on the opposite side of the spectrum. But my hope and prayer for today is that as we go through this series, we will learn what does it mean to say, I love my church? Why, why is it important even to, to love the church? Or if you say, I love my church, what are we doing to show it? Are we just saying it or are we doing something about it? So I'm really excited to unpack a lot of this with you guys. And there, there are a lot of places that we naturally love to go to, Right? You, you can probably pick places out in your head where you're like, you know what, I love to go to that place. And not church, but just places in life. Uh, vacations, different locations, buildings. There are some places you love to go to. There are also some places you have to go to. You have no choice. It's just life is taking you that way. Love it or not, you've got to go. For example, if I were to say the world, this resonates deep with me, not everybody, but it does. If I bring up Disneyland, oh boy, I love Disneyland. I love to go to Disneyland. Now, that's a place that I want to go to, right? I can look forward to say, I want to go to Disneyland. But then there's places that we have to go to that you may not necessarily want to. You, couldn't, you wouldn't necessarily say, I love going there, like school. Sometimes kids say they don't love school. Now, I experienced something crazy in the pandemic. Kids who said, I want to fake being sick. I want to stay home. I don't want to go to school. We're dying to get back in school, right? They could not wait to get back in. But school sometimes resonates the, oh, I don't want to go, but I have to go. The dentist's office. You don't want to go, but there's a pain that's not going to go away unless you get there. 
Various places invoke different, a variety of different uh, responses in all of us, right, when they come up. And we're, they're going to feel different compared. So I'm going to put some images up on the screen. And I would actually like you guys, um, I normally don't you know, promote this, but I want you to shout things out when you see these pictures. I want you to shout out what comes to your mind when you see these places or pictures of these places. So go ahead and throw the first one up there. Department of Licensing. Patience, yes. Do you guys really think the DOL is slow? Go to the California DMV. It will give you a run for your money. All right? Yeah, so the DOL, you know, it doesn't invoke, I'm going to the DOL today, right? It's, it's not the exciting thing to do, but you, know, you have to go. So that can bring up some you know, feelings or emotions. All right, go ahead and throw up the next one. <laughs> right up front. Oh. <laughs> the hospital, right? If you have to go there, it's not normally a yay moment, right? Not something looking forward to. But then again, a very necessary place to go, right? We need these. We need the hospital. But you don't love to go there. This one may invoke some different ones. Go throw up the next one. <laughs> try, try being in a family of 15 kids, then go to the grocery store, right? Yeah. Um, so, so this can either be, I know that my girls right now, Aurora and Avery, if I say I'm going to the grocery store, they love going to the grocery store, typically because I'm a sucker and we'll buy them a piece of candy when we're there, right? So they love going to the grocery store. Yeah, my wife just nodded because she's, she won't buy them candy. Who's going to the store? Mom, can we stay with Dad? Who's going to the store? Dad, let's go to the store, right? It's, so, you know, different locations, different emotions. Do you love to go? Do you like to go? Not all these places have rave reviews. Some of them are just kind of mediocre reviews, some worse than others. But in all three of these, we can see that these are all places we've probably all been to at some point. Not out of the love to go, but out of the necessity to go. And I don't think in any of these pictures anybody said, I love that place. No one definitely said it for the hospital. <laughs> like, I love that place, right? But you can occasionally hear someone say, like my daughters, they love the grocery store. Or if you compare it to something else or other places going on. The same for the doctor's office. Um, now, growing up, I broke my arm at least five times. I can do all sorts of weird, wonky things with my wrist. Um, I had an arm doctor, a designated, this was Dustin's arm doctor. And I loved my doctor. It became one of those points where it was, his name was Dr. Chin. Amazing guy. And so it turned into Dustin, you have an appointment with Dr. Chin. And he was just a fun guy that we spent the first portion of our appointments. He was just asking me about life and getting to know me and what was I doing and what was going on in school and sports. And I loved him. So it was one of those rare occasions where, you know, you show a picture of going to the hospital. Am I going to see Dr. Chin? Yeah, let's go. I loved the guy. But that's not always the case. Now, don't shout out anything for the next one. But what comes up to your mind when you see this? This one invokes a lot of different feelings for a lot of different people. Like I said in the beginning, is it something that people would say, I love it, yes, let's go, or ouch, ooh, burned. Oh, never going back. All across the people, just throughout your life, you'll meet people that fall all sorts of different places when it comes to this word. Now, I want to talk about the church that we love to go to. And what does it mean going to church? Some people maybe would describe church the way they describe going to the DOL. Like, oh man, set yourself up for just being bored all day. I really hope no one here is thinking that right now. But you know, it invokes a lot of different things. Sometimes we base our location of where we're going based off of a particular experience we had at that one place. And that wouldn't be far off from the truth, right? Wouldn't be far from the truth. But is this what God intended when he created the church? To have us go somewhere and love it based off of an experience? 
I mean, was that his idea when it came to his community about loving and being with people? Because I believe the Bible tells us that if we're going to love the church, that's so much more than loving an experience at church. It goes much, much deeper than that. I think God wants us to be a church where the church gets to be the center point, where we get to go to people for help, where people get to go to the church for help. They get to go for friendship. They get to go to get supported, and they get to go for love. And that is what just blows out of the walls of this place. Not an experience, but an actual relationship of support, friendship, help, and love. And I mean it when I say it. I love the church. I love this church. I love the capital C church. Now, sometimes in the news, you hear some bad things about church. But I want to talk about today, why should we love the church? And we're going to unpack this over the number of weeks. Now, before we jump in, um, I do want to pray and ask that, that God speaks to us um, th- into our hearts from his word today. And I know that I can uh, very easily get caught up in what I love, but I really hope to communicate today the importance of what God loves and how that resonates in with us. So would you uh, pray with me today as we really dive into this? Uh, God, you are good. You are so good. And, and I love that you love us so much. God, I pray that as we, as we dive into this today, what it means to love the church, to be a part of your church, that you speak to our hearts, you allow us to understand um, where your love comes from, why you do it the way you do, and how that relates to us and those around us. God, so we welcome you into this place, and we're excited to hear uh, what you are going to say this morning. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. Now, I want to start straight up by just saying this right out, because this is what we're going to focus on today. Loving church is loving people. Some of you maybe just grimaced. Loving church is loving people. Sometimes people stink, don't they? Just so sometimes people are hard to love, but loving church is loving people. So if you turn to John 13, we're going to read verses 34 and 35 together. And um, this, is, this is, can be a gut punch for some people. I know this one hits me, especially when sometimes um, someone that I don't want to love comes into my life or something happens. This verse always gets me. It says this, John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you must also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, this, this verse is a prelude of the church to come in the book of Acts. But here we find Jesus meeting with his disciples, right? He's telling them and his followers how they should be known. This is what people are going to know you by, what the reputation will be of the community that he is going to create, It's going to be one centered around love. People are going to be known for their love for one another. Church people, we are meant, we are called to love people. This is not an option, right? This this was not a only on the good days try to find time to love people, right? This was something God was saying, this is what you've got to do. You've got to love one another. But what does it mean then to love one another? How, How do we break this down and understand what Jesus was talking about? And how do we say we love the church the way that God loved the church and all that it was intended to be? And what do we mean by love? Well, if you break down the word love in scripture, there are many different words used for love. We typically say love and we can mean it in a whole variety of contexts. But in in actual Greek and Hebrew, there's different words for love. And we're going to go over four of them. First, we have eros. Now, eros, this is an intimate sexual love, like between a husband and a wife. And it's actually where we get the word erotic from. Now that I have all of your attention, we're moving on. We're done talking about that one, okay? Everyone's on the same page. The next one we have is called storge. Now, storge, this is the type of love that signifies empathy. This is a natural love between friends and, and kinfolk, right? This appears occasionally in the New Testament and only in compound form, actually. But this is one of the words used, so storge. 
Um, the next one is phileo. Now, phileo, this is a Greek word that means, it symbols Greek, it's, it's Greek for uh, brotherly and familial love, kind of like where you get the word Philadelphia from, phileo love, right? So you have family, or you're fond of an individual, or you're fond of an object. You can say, oh, I love that. That's kind of phileo love. And then we have agape. Now, agape, this is the Greek word for love. This appears more frequently in the New Testament than any of the others. This is the all-encompassing, unconditional love that was modeled by Jesus. This is the one that says, despite disappointment, despite rejection, this has, I love you no matter what. All-encompassing. Uh, it's, it's not a religious word. It is an all-encompassing lifestyle that Jesus showed. And we see so many examples of this throughout Scripture. The agape love is it's thinking. It's rational. It's a kind of deliberate love that's motivated by the love of God. And this is what Jesus showed on that cross. This was agape love. People were spitting at him, mocking him, and they killed him. And he said, I love these people. So that's agape love. So it's easy to see that not only the Bible has different words for uh, love, but we use this commonly, and it's fun to kind of break it down a little bit. Now, for example, I love to go out to eat. I love it. When we, we say, hey, we're going to go and do something, I can say that word, just the one word, I love to go out and eat. And since being up here, we found one of our favorite restaurants is Duke's Seafood. Um, I, I love seafood. I found out that I moved to the perfect state to love seafood. And Duke's is fun. But when I go there, it's not just the, the food that's good. I mean, the atmosphere is fun. The service has been great. The food is delicious, especially their salmon. Shameless plug. If you're going there, get the salmon. It's amazing. Um, but, but I love it. We love going there. Um, another place that we love to go to in our household, specifically my wife, she is an ice cream aficionado, loves ice cream. And we have found ice cream social in Ruston Point. We love ice cream social. As a matter of fact, that's one of my number one bribing tools for my daughter Aurora right now. It's like, hey, if you do this, we'll go to Ice Cream Social, and she'll typically do whatever we ask because she loves it so much. But we love going to that place. Um, I would say that word. I love those places. But I also say I love my daughter. I do love my daughters. Different kind of love, but I use the same word. Now, Aurora, nine years old, she's like a little mini me. She's overly emotional when she watches movies. That is me to the T. A Disney movie, going to cry. It happens, right? I'll watch those movies. But Aurora also loves superheroes and comic books. Nerd alert, I have hundreds of comic books. Aurora has read every one of them. I sit there and I watch superhero movies with her and I watch her nerd out when the you know, Iron Man flies on or does something. She goes crazy and I'm like, this is my little mini me right here. She's smart and she's loving and she is an academic just superstar. She does so well in school. Does her homework well, gets good grades, and she's, she's epitome right now of the kid that doesn't even really have to try at school and just does well. And I was like, all right, that was, that was like me <laughs> in school. It just came naturally. And I, I, I love Aurora. I love Avery, my little five-year-old. But if you've met my kids, they are opposite. Aurora can be the, you know, she can have fun and run, but Avery is a little spitfire. You don't know what she's going to say. You don't know what she's going to do. You don't know if she's going to run around the house in her underwear or not. And just, we, we have a picture of her wearing a shirt, gloves on her feet, something on her head. And that's just Avery. That's what she does. Five years old wearing three-year-old clothes because she is just itty-bitty. She says the most random things. And we're, we're, we swear she is going to be a comedian someday. We'll be at the dinner table. And we do this thing where if she says something where we know she's going to get in trouble, she'll say something else and we have to look away and laugh because we don't want her to see us laughing because we're trying to be disciplinary right now. It's, but that's Avery. And I love the personality that she is having. When she grows up, she wants to be in this order, doctor, policeman, ninja, Spider-Man. All the things. And she'll say them all the time. You say, you want to do all those things? Yep. I love my kids. I love my wife. 
She's the most amazing woman in the world and truly is my best friend. I can't imagine doing this life without her. Incredible woman, incredible spouse, always thinking of others. And her love for Disney almost matches mine. Almost. So I can say I love my wife and I love my family. But then it's fun to look at all those words of love that we just said. What love am I using? And then when I say I love my church, what love am I using? Am I using a word that says, I'm loving the experience of church? I'm loving the fun things we do at church? Or is this a, I love the mission, I am all in, I have this agape love for what we're supposed to do for the church? What does it mean when we say, I love church? Does it say, I love church like the restaurant, or I love it like so much more? And the restaurant, I love it because I got a good experience, right? When you go somewhere and then you, people will say, do you tip? I tip based off the experience. I tip based off the service. I tip, you know, I, based off of what I'm feeling in that moment. It's an experience that, that you receive. That's all about what are you getting. <clears throat> um, I could go on Yelp and give it a positive review. Or I could go on Yelp and give it a really negative review. Um, if it was the opposite, you know, I could do whatever I want when it comes to rating something. Um, but is that what we're supposed to do with church? Is that the same mentality we're supposed to have when we come to this place to experience and have, a, have a, not just an experience, but an encounter with Jesus? With my kids, I'm experiencing a relationship. My girls, they're, they're, they're people over on Avery I am intrinsically connected with, right? My love for them isn't based off of receiving or experiencing, but based off of who they are and who I am and, and, and my feelings for them. I love them. I care for them. I play with them. And we go through life together. Some of it's really good. Some of it's really bad. If you have kids, you know, you have those days where you're like, why did I have kids? Wow. <laughs> we, we have those moments. But I love my kids. I don't Yelp rate my girls. I could. It would be a, you know, waving rate sometimes, right? But I love my girls. The church was never meant to be like a restaurant. It is meant to be based on relationship. It is meant to be based on sacrificial relationships. First and foremost, this begins with a relationship with Jesus. And through that, how we're connected to one another. Now, Jesus loves us, and he brought us into this relationship with himself through the cross, right? Through the ultimate act of love. And the most famous verse in scripture sums this up. John three sixteen and 17 it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love it, right? And this is, like I said, the most popular verse. But some of you don't even have to turn there. You can, most of you, you can probably just say it. But I love that it shows that God intentionally loved us. This was not an accident. He didn't stumble into this role. This was an intentional act of love and service to us. And in being brought into this relationship with Jesus, we're also brought into relationship with each other. He didn't do this so we could live life separate. He brought it. He did this so we could all do this together and love each other. Being in a relationship with Jesus means being a part of the church, part of his kingdom, part of a pretty amazing family. Dysfunctional at times? Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll never find a perfect church. It's dysfunctional, but it's one that we're ultimately called to do this thing together and to love each other through it. I think some people can treat church like that restaurant experience, right? You can, you can go and say, all right, do I love this church? Well, and you can, you can almost kind of like check the boxes. Well, it had this, it had this, it had this. I felt good. Okay, I love the church. But is that really loving the church or is it loving an experience you had at church? I think those are two very separate things. I don't want to set up an expectation that church, that we walk into church with something that church has never expected to fill. 
I don't want to have those false expectations. I want to come into a church and say, I love this body. I love what's going on here. I love what God is doing, and I want to be a part of it. And if, if we want to be totally honest here, this, this is a relationship-focused. It's not a self-focused love. We got to love as Jesus loved. We got to love where it takes us out of our comfort zone. And taking us out of our comfort zone means, guess what, people? It means you've got to love people. Getting out of your comfort zone, man, love people. And I'll, I'll say something really bold, but I truly believe this. If we don't love people, there's no way to love the church. If we don't love people, there's no way to love the church. But Pastor Dustin, man, sometimes people stink. Not literally stink, but they stink. They're horrible people. I don't like them. We're still called to love people. Sometimes people are mean. Sometimes that person is just unlovable. There's there's no reason to love that person. Well, it doesn't change what Jesus says, right? He still says to love people. If we don't love people, not only are we not being the church, we're not loving the church. Because let's face it, the church is the people. 1 John speaks about love. And we're going to see a few principles about why we are called to love one another, specifically with agape love. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to skip to 19 to 21. So 1 John 4, 11 to 12, it starts with this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love the brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is great. What John is telling us here is that God is love. God is the embodiment of all that is love. And if we are to profess our love in him, that's going to come out of our lives and and bleed into other people. We got to let him fill our soul. Let him be the life we breathe. And then that is going to be what we give out as well. We can't, if we can't let love flow into our lives, what's the natural result that's going to be? If we don't let love in, it's not going to be love that comes out. If we don't let the love of God start just coming into our heart and filling our soul, it's going to be the opposite that comes out. And I don't want hatred to come out of my life, especially for people. When God fills us with love, when we let him fill us with what his very being is, the natural response is to show that to others. That doesn't always mean it's going to be easy. doesn't always mean you're going to be able to jump out of your seat and say, I can't wait to love somebody today. You'll have days where you wake up and you don't even want to see the world in that day, right? For whatever reason, right? We have those moments. But when we let God fill our heart, the natural byproduct is for his love to then pour out of us as well. It means that we're supposed to. This is important to God. And because it's important to God, I think that's why it needs to be important to us as well. We see here that the love of people and the love of God are connected. If God loves us, we are bound to love each other because our highest aim as people is to be is to be people that really embody the life of Jesus, right? We use him as our role model. We say, this is what he did. This is how he acted. That's my goal. That, that's what I'm striving to be more like. And if his life was that, saying, this is how I'm going to do things, and it was all about loving people, then that needs to be one of our highest strive points. You say, man, in order to, in order to show God, I, I love God, the natural thing is to then love people. We got to reproduce the life of Jesus in our lives. And John says that the way we prove that love to God, says if you want to to prove this, you say you love God, then love people as well. I love what verse 19 says about it. It says, we love because he first loved us. 
We love because he loved us. This is our response to the love of God. This is not a natural byproduct of the human heart. We don't get to wake up and go, I naturally love the world. This is a response to God loving us. We love because he loved us first. It's our response to him and then with, um, goes out into people. And scripture clearly backs this up by showing us that we need to love people because, let's face it, God loved the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. God loves his people. And a way that we grow in our love for God's people is to love what he loves. And we're saying it over and over. If we love what he loves, we're going to love people, even the ones we don't want to. I love that John 3, 16, 17 says this. Just the actions of Jesus, the actions he took in this verse shows the ultimate love for people. The people that didn't want it, the people that were rejecting it in the moment, he still gave it to them. But why is this hard? Why is this hard? It can be easy to see, say, like, you know, it's easy to say, love people. Go out, love people, just be a better person, love people. But it's not easy, right? We don't love everybody that comes into our lives. And there's a whole number of reasons that makes it hard. But um, I think the Good Samaritan really breaks down a lot of reasons why it's hard to love people. Now, it's really easy to say, and I wanna, I wanna, we're not going to focus on this, but it's easy to say they make it hard to love, Right? You can pinpoint people, maybe even think of people in your life right now where you're like, why don't I love people? Oh, because they do this, they do this, they do that. But I want to take a little inward focus today and talk about if we want to love people, sometimes there's things that we set up, that we do, that make it hard for us to love people. There's sometimes we do, we may not even think of it consciously, but it can be a subconscious thing. Sometimes maybe it is conscious, but we're going to talk about how the Good Samaritan models these. Now, uh, the Good Samaritan, if you don't, I'm not going to read through the whole story, but to summarize the Good Samaritan, there is a Jewish man who is traveling. He gets mugged and he's left for dead. He's passed by people. A priest passes him and does not help him. A Levite, a, a Levitical, a man of the law passes him, does not help him. And then a Samaritan passes. A Samaritan is a sworn enemy of the Jews. They literally hate each other. But the Samaritan helps him, takes care of him, takes him to an inn, pays for him to be taken care of, and then says, I will come back and settle the bill if there's more that needs to be done that I didn't pay for yet. So it's an ultimate act of seeing someone love. But I think there's amazing things that we can learn from the Good Samaritan. And, and the first is this. Loving people can be very inconvenient. Loving people can be very inconvenient. I love that this has nothing to do with them. This has to do with our convenience, right? This has to do with us. What are we going to do? Why is this not okay for us? It was definitely too inconvenient for the priest to stop and help this dying man. The priest was a very important man. He probably had a sermon to go preach. He probably had, he had somewhere he had to go duties in the temple. He saw the man hurting. He was like, I don't really have time. I, it's inconvenient. It's not in, not in my schedule today. I can't do it. The Levite, now this is a man of the law. It would have been inconvenient for him because the law says back in this time, if you help someone that's near death, you then are deemed what they called unclean. And you had to go through a really long ceremony that took days to be able to be called clean again. So for this man of the law, if he walks by and goes, oh, I would have to take a couple days off work if I touched this guy. Mm, best of luck to you. And he walks away. It's inconvenient for the Levite to say, I've got to help this man. But the Samaritan, the sworn enemy of the Jewish people, was traveling. And he had a destination in mind. He said he was going somewhere. He had his donkey. He had supplies. He had money. He was going somewhere. He's on a mission. He was not just out for a, a stroll. He was going somewhere. But he made that conscious decision that helping this man was important. More important than wherever it was he needed to go and do. More important than whatever their centuries-long conflict was about. He said, this is important. 
I've got to help this guy. It was very inconvenient, but it was also very important. How many of us have had this experience? Someone needs me. And it's not that I can't help. It's that uh, it's just not convenient today. Today, I really am just going to have a leisure day. I'm going to be going doing this. It's really not convenient, so I don't think I can help. I have a schedule. I've got a job. I've got my spouse. I've got my kids. Helping people is just not on the table today. It's inconvenient. Now, this definitely was not on the Samaritan's table either. He probably didn't have his donkey loaded up. So let's see how many mugged people I find today on my journeys. It's not what he was set out to do, but he did it. He just happened to come across the guy. He just happened to see an opportunity to show love, and everything for him in that moment changed. I love it. He responded in a way that ultimately showed the love and character of Jesus when he did. The second thing about us, why it makes it hard for us to love people sometimes, is we see that loving people takes our time and our resources. Takes our time and our resources. Now, putting convenience aside, Read again what it says in verses 34 and 35. It says, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This takes his time. This takes his resources, his money. And he says, I'm going to make sure the stranger, I don't even know this guy, but I'm going to give money to make sure he's okay. This is very personal for him. It's sacrificial for him, but he willingly does it, and he doesn't grumble. He knows this is what he's supposed to do. Sometimes when we show love for people, it's going to cost time. It's, well, it's like that inconvenient thing. It's going to take you out of your way to go do something, and it may even cost you resources. <clears throat> but ultimately, we get to show that love to people when we give our time when we give our resources, things that we may never see again. We may all have that person who says, oh, thank you very much. I'll pay you back. You never have that person again, right? Or maybe you do, but it's because they need more time or more resources, right? But I love this Samaritan. Didn't know the guy. Didn't know his life. Didn't know his story. Didn't know if this guy maybe assaulted Samaritans in his life. He didn't know, but he didn't care. It was, there's someone that needs help, someone that I can show love to, and I'm going to show love to this person. I think this is another comparison to the great thing that Jesus did for us. Jesus gave his time, his ultimate resource, his life for us. I think it's easy to say that if we look at someone and say they deserve it because God loves them, then it's easy for, easier for us to say it's worth it for me to show love. And the next one is it takes us out of our way. At the end of verse 35, the Samaritan says, I'm going to come back to see if this guy's okay. Now, I love that we don't know where he was going, but he had a destination in mind. But he knew that showing love for this person, if I'm going to love people, I'm going to go out of my way to come back and make sure he's okay. I love this. It means that when we love people, we may have to go totally out of our way to do whatever it is that we're going to do for them. It's often easy to assist someone like if they say, hey, can I get a ride somewhere? And you're already going that way. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's the hitchhiker's dream, right? Got to catch someone that's already going my way. But it's not easy to love somebody if you know someone asked for a ride or someone asked for something and you're like, oh, man, that just takes me totally out of the way. I, man, I'm not even in the same area as you. Why, why would I? I really can't do it. But loving people may take us out of our way. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. But going out of your way, it can really inc inconvenience you. Your gut response can be, I really don't want to do that. I really don't have time to go there. But the example we see here with the Samaritan is he went out of his way not only once, but twice to come back and make sure the man was okay. What a great example of love, right? 
A great example to show someone that, that their needs are outweighing your own needs in that moment. We see this modeled back with Christ to us, and then a practical way again with one man to another. Is there someone in your life maybe that you need to go back to to fix something? Is there someone in your life that you need to go back and say, man, this is really going to go back, and I've got to go out of my way to talk to this person to show them some, some love that, that, that I know God wants me to show. It's going to be inconvenient. Maybe it's going to cost me time, but definitely out of my way, but I've got to go do it. Is there someone deserving of agape love that maybe you haven't shown any kind of love to recently? Maybe they don't deserve it, but ultimately neither do we, right? Ultimately neither do we. But when we go out of our way, we go back to show someone the love of God, we're being an example of what the love of Jesus is, to go back to someone and say, hey, you may not deserve this, but I don't either. I'm going to show you some love. I'm going to make this right, and I'm going to reach out to you. I believe that we will experience a love for the church when we intentionally love the church. And what is the church? People. The church is people. We'll have a deep sense of love for the church when we actively and intentionally practice love for people. But the opposite, I believe, is also true. When we don't intentionally love people, we will not experience a love for the church. We love the church when it's about relationships, not when it's like a restaurant. When the church is about the relationship, not the restaurant, we then grow in our understanding and love for what we do here. Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack some more ways of what does it look like to intentionally love the church, to be in community with another as God intended us to be, and an overview of some things that are coming. We're going to talk about we love by connecting. We love the church by connecting, being in a community, being in fellowship with others. And this is, this is more than just knowing each other's names, knowing where people sit on a Sunday morning. I'm starting to learn where people kind of gravitate to on a Sunday morning. It's nice. But loving and connecting is so much more than just knowing a name and a seat. It's really, really diving into somebody when we stand alongside one another, when we're connected with another, ensuring that nobody here stands alone in their trials and in life. We're going to talk about we love the church by connecting with each other. We're going to talk about we love by serving. And if we love the church in this mission, what we're called to do, we get to dive in and we get to serve. God has given everybody here incredible talents, incredible gifts that we get to share to encourage, to help one another in our community and here in this place amongst each other. We're going to talk all about the superpowers God has given each and every one of you. And we're going to talk about loving the church by sharing. God has given us amazing resources and things that we get to, we get to share, not just personally, but as a church. And this will get expanded upon more when we talk at our annual business, uh, our annual celebration as well. Man, we get to share with this city. We get to share with the school. We get to share with our friends, our neighbors. What is God doing here? And that is being a loving church. And the more we get to pour out, the more we get to see how God is pouring in so we can continue to pour out. We're going to talk about how if we aren't sharing the love of God with our words and deeds, then that really isn't loving in the first place. I'd like to invite uh, the worship team back up as we get ready to close up this morning. So I invite you guys to stick with us for the next few weeks as we uh, really unpack loving the church. And like I said... It's more than just a shirt for me. It's more than just a building for me. I love this place. I love getting to know you guys. I, I love to be in a position where I can say, how can I serve you guys? And we get to do all of this together. God intended this to be an incredible community of love and faith. Now, if, if you're with us today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to stick around and talk to me after church and talk about, you talked about loving people. You talked about this Jesus, this God who, who shed this love for us, and I don't even know what that is. I invite you to come talk to me after church, and we can talk more about what Jesus did for you and how he showed you the incredible, the most amazing act of love.
If you're online today and you're saying that's you and, and you, you, who is this Jesus or I've never made this commitment to, to really understand and invite him in, click, uh, type in the comments, click on the prayer button there and someone can connect with you online and say, I can pray with you, I can talk with you about who Jesus is. There's some things I want to challenge us with as we leave here today as we talk about loving the church. The first one, let people know that you love your church. Don't let church be a Sunday morning thing. When you go out here, you get to say, if you see someone, hey, what are you with? I'm with someone from my church. This is, this is my church. This is my people. This is why I love what we do. Don't hide it. Don't be obnoxious about it. Like, don't go banging on every door. Do you go to my church? I love my church. Let's go. You could really freak people out. But if you're around a community of people who, who don't know you go to church, shoot them an invite. Let them know that you love your place. You love your people. And they can be a part of something that will love them and serve them too. And second is get connected with people throughout the week. Get together. Talk about these points. Go out to coffee. Share life. I want to encourage everyone, connect with each other. Church and loving church and loving people goes so far beyond a Sunday morning. It's a life. It's a, it's a day in, day out thing that we get to experience with each other. We have a group that meets on Thursdays, and they, they unpack what we talk about on Sunday morning. And, and it's fun talking about how much they, they love their discussions, and they love the church and what they do, and they love their small group. Find people, get connected, grow, and invite people on this journey where we get to say, hey, do you love church? Maybe they'll say, no, I hate it. Say, come check out mine. We're going to talk about what it even means when I say I love my church. Would you stand with me? Man, God gave us an incredible example of love, and it's great that when he pours that in, we get to pour it out. So church, let's pour it out with each other. Let's pour it out in our community, and let's let people know, man, we, I love my church. I love what God is doing, and I love that we get to do this for other people. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are so good and that you love us so much. God, I, I pray that as we unpack more of your love for people and your love for this place, how we can apply these things to our lives and how we can grow as a community and as a church that says, what do we do, man? We love God and we love people. I pray that it's more than our words, it's our actions, it's our step, it's our very life that pours out for you and that we have fun as we see what you're gonna do here in this place because you love us so much and you love your church. We thank you, God, we love you, and everybody said, amen. amen.